Blooming Inspired Network, empowering the voices of women who lead as they live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. I am t- jumping on with you today, and I have, I'm pretty excited. I went back and looked at some of the women that I've highlighted on the Blooming Inspired Network um, since we started in October last year and landed on one that I really want to highlight today. And before I do that, I want to read to you what Second Chronicles 32.7 says. And I want to kind of preface it this way. It talks about not being afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. And for there are more with us than with him. And, it, and I believe it's, talking, it, it's when Elisha's servant asks him um, about who's coming against them. And then they see the 10,000 angels that are around them. But I want to point out that the king of Assyria at that point in time was coming to oppress and oppose God's chosen people. He was wanting to take them into captivity and destroy them. And so this could very well be read for circumstances that say, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before those who seek to take you captive, those rulers and principalities that oppress you nor before all of those hosts, multitude that are with him, for there are more with us than with him. And, and you know, the one who is with us is greater than the one who is in the world. And so as as I jump into what I'm about to share with you, I want you to keep in mind that the woman that I'm going to highlight was in a situation where those who oppressed her would have taken her life. They would have destroyed her completely. And it took great courage for her to do what she did. You see, today's woman of influence and leadership is Harriet Tubman. Harriet um, once said, Twant me, t'was the Lord. I always told him, I trust you. I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me. And he always did. You see, Harriet Tubman was born Araminta Ross, and her mother affectionately called her Minty. She was born she was born an enslaved African American between 1819 and 1823. She was a woman whose grandmother arrived in America on a slave trader's ship, who learned to love the Lord at the apron strings of her mother, who was also enslaved in the southern United States in the early 1800s. As a teen, she suffered a traumatic brain injury when an overseer on the plantation threw metal at a runaway slave and hit her instead. Afterwards, she experienced dreams and visions that she believed were a sign from God. Look at how God took what should have been... He took the evil that was meant towards her when she was hit with that metal by the overseer. And he turned it and gave her dreams and visions. And ultimately, it was her faith in God that led her to risk her life and her work to free other enslaved Africans in her lifetime. Though suffering a traumatic injury to her brain and remaining illiterate her entire life, Harriet Tubman became a notable leader in American history and a woman of influence whose legacy is honored still today. In 1844, she married a free African-American named John Tubman before she escaped slavery. But when she escaped, she found he had married another woman. So she later changed her name from Aramida to Harriet after her mother and took the late name of her husband. 
the last name of her husband. And in 1849, Harriet escaped along with her brothers. Though her brothers turned back in fear, she pressed on, eventually making it to the free state of Pennsylvania through the Underground Railroad. Now, the Underground Railroad was a network of abolitionists and free African Americans that provided and directed enslaved Africans through safe routes and houses to get them to free territories. Harriet made approximately 19 trips on the Underground Railroad, guiding out friends and family and others enslaved in the 17th century South to freedom. The total number of those free directly attributed to Harriet's work is 300. 300 people were freed. William Lloyd Garrison called her Moses, and John Brown called her General Tubman. She was a force to be reckoned with in a time when being a woman of African descent in America would have been more than enough strikes against her. She believed God had called her to help other enslaved Africans and African Americans find freedom, and she spent her life working to do just that. In addition to helping the enslaved, she also served as a scout for the Northern forces. Get this, she served as a scout for the Northern Army, helped to recruit supporters for John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry, and eventually was paid a veteran's pension from the United States government for her service to her country during the Civil War. After the Civil War, Tubman continued her work in overcoming oppression in the United States, taking up the cause and regularly giving speeches for women's suffrage, and she later married and adopted a daughter, Gertie. She died of pneumonia in 1913 at approximately 93 years of age. Her burial received military honors at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn, New York, and she donated her property to the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church in Auburn, and her home was converted into a home for indigent and aging people of color. Because Harriet believed the Lord wanted her to be free and help her to help to free others, more than 300 people were freed from slavery through her trips on the Underground Railroad, and the cause of women's suffrage was taken up after the war. She did not let the mitigating circumstances or oppressive culture she was born into determine her future, but charted her own course with the Lord as her guide, changing the face of history for not only African Americans, but for a nation and ultimately the world. I gathered most of this information from the HarrietTubman.org website. It's Harriet-Tubman.org. And as I read this, I'm inspired because here's a woman who, who, who could not read, was illiterate, who had a traumatic brain injury, who took great risk upon herself to help those around her be free. And at, even her brothers, who escaped with her in 1849, turned back out of fear. But Harriet pressed on, and she became known for many things, not just for helping enslaved American, African Americans and Africans escape the, the oppression in the South, but she also um, was known for helping the Northern Army. She was a scout for the Northern Army. She recruited people for John Barry's... John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. And and she was given not only a veteran's pension, but military honors at her burial. How many women of her time can make that claim? And all because she believed God was speaking to her and followed him, and she trusted him implicitly.
You know, it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but to acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your path straight. You know, Harriet trusted the Lord. She knew Him. She had dreams and visions from Him and she followed Him. And He turned every opportunity for evil to beset her and to destroy her for her good. He honored her and she was called a modern day Moses because she led her people to freedom. She's a beautiful woman from our history and she's brave and courageous and she led in a time when it wasn't common for women to lead. So I want to ask you, what is it that stops you from stepping out and taking the risk that God has called you to? You see, I believe a life of worship involves risking something. It means, it means stepping out beyond ourselves. David took that risk when he stepped before the giant. And when he accepted the anointing as king while there was still Saul on the throne. Esther took that risk when she went before the king unsummoned. The early church took that risk as they proclaimed the gospel of Christ at great peril to themselves, both in the nation of Israel and in Asia Minor around them and throughout the Roman Empire. They took great risk upon themselves to fulfill the purpose and the call of God on their life. So today, I ask myself, what is it that I'm risking? Well, one, I'm stepping out in a time when women um, women in the church who lead are expected to adhere to certain standards. And this is this is the evangelical church primarily. Uh, I, I'm a member of that, that particular um, group of people that are identified as evangelicals. The church I attend is. And women are, 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 are encouraged to be complimentary to men in the setting that I'm in. Women are encouraged not to draw attention to themselves, that, um, that we are to, to lead um, quietly and submissively. And I believe that those things have value. But I also believe that through my years of Bible study, and I'm saying there's years and it's been in-depth, and I, I'm continually searching the heart of God on things, I believe he's given me a key and he's shown me something, but it requires me to take a risk and to step out and say things that may not be popular among those around me. But as I've watched this hashtag MeToo movement where, where women are coming out and telling their stories about being sexually abused simply because they're women, as I watched the things happening in Mozambique where the ISIS um, militants are going into villages and killing people, burning houses, and raping women, and tormenting and torturing them, 
as I watch those missionaries that are in those regions taking great risk upon themselves to stay and take care of the people there. As I'm watching us come into this week as the Southern Baptist Convention begins to hold their conference and discuss weighty matters surrounding these things, having just um, dismissed a president at one of the seminaries um, affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention um, for his uh, comments to women about staying in abusive relationships so their husband can be saved. And, and, and I'm not judging. I personally have a conflict with that having lived in abusive relationships, but 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 not judging. I I imagine that he he never imagined that this would come out against him the way it did. But I'm thankful that God is is not just addressing these things in the world, but He's addressing these things in our churches and in our homes. I'm glad the conversation is coming to our pulpits because it will have to. And he's not the only one. Um, <clears throat> there's another pastor who was from Chicago area who was very well known. He, he led major global um, leadership events. And, and, and I'm not going to identify these people by name. You can find that information. It's all over the Internet. But he took a... Um, he, he made some poor choices that ended up costing him greatly. And, um, and you know, it, it, this is not new. You, you don't have to look back very far to find the former pastor of New Life Church um, when he said he was required to step down or others who um, have abused their congregation in some way or another um, who have had to step down. And, <clears throat> you know, really truthfully, that's between those and the leaders who empowered them and, and them themselves and God. But I see all this happening in the world around us. And I see that women who, who are called to leadership often are treated differently, even in w environments that welcome them in as leaders, where they get the title and they get the office and they get the position. I've seen women be overlooked and mistreated because they're women. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that, that, that those that I saw in engaging in the mistreatment didn't intend it. They didn't intend for the women to feel less than. I know they honor women. But nevertheless, it happened. And I know I've seen... Um, I've seen it done well. I've seen churches that honor women and value them and give them the platform freely and invite them to come and speak to their people. And they believe that women should be empowered and that they should lead, that Jesus redeemed all of that on the cross. But I wonder who of us is going to take up the mantle of walking out seeing the oppressed set free. I feel like that's part of what God's called me to. 
you're listening to this podcast, I'd ask you to search your heart. You may not ever have a position or a title in a particular organization or church. But that doesn't mean you're not a leader and that you're not valued and you're not gifted by God to lead. And that's what Blooming Inspired Network is all about. It's about identifying women who are already leading and giving them a network to build commonality with other women who are called to lead in their communities. And you know, when I first started, I just envisioned this being something that happened right here in my own neighborhood. But then as I began to connect with people, there were people all around the globe that I was connecting with, and particularly women all over the United States. And as I um, as I began to pray into that and what that meant, I saw little fields of wildflowers popping up all around the world. And I say little fields of wildflowers because I believe God's called me to create after my own kind, to reach women who have in some instances been leaderless leaders. They have been leading without being brought up in their leadership gift and, and, and ability and, and their, the calling on their life to lead. And so I desire more than anything to empower women to lead. And I'm grateful for women like Harriet Tubman who went before us so many years ago and took their own risks so today we could be encouraged. We could look at what they did. And, and she's not the only one. I will feature other women along the way um, as, we, as we move through the podcast. I will feature other women along the way. But I was, I was abused by my husband. I have, I have been told that there is no place in, in a church for a woman to lead her own written Bible study. I have been told many, many things over time. I have watched women be treated differently, paid differently, given, given different responsibilities and titles simply because they're women. I've watched women be required to be more repentant, to be more subjected, not just submitted, but subjected. And subjection is a whole different conversation. I've watched them be tormented by the choices they had to make because of what leadership required of them. I watched them struggle with being called to lead in the marketplace and feeling guilty about not being home with their children because that's what was expected of them. I've watched women who were in abusive situations be encouraged to stay in the home with their husband who was abusing them. And I had no voice or influence to stop it. But let me tell you, when I did have influence and when I did have voice to stop it, I made those choices. I would risk my job and my position and everything by asking questions. I once asked a pastor, what do you do with the words Jesus spoke in Matthew 19, where they come to him and they question him about why Moses was permitted to allow divorce. And he says, you don't rightly understand what was happening. God allowed Moses to 
permit divorce, not because it's right, but because he had a heart to protect the woman from the hardness of the men's heart against them. So by the time Jesus comes on the scene, by the time the apostles are leading the church after he ascends to heaven, women, Jewish women, are sewing their dowry into their clothes and braiding their jewels and gold into their hair. So in the event that their husband comes home on an off day and doesn't like how they prepared dinner or something that they did and says, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you and puts them out of the house. They are not destitute and having to go live as prostitutes. You see, the church often teaches the Jewish women were revered. They were highly regarded when they were not. They were seen as property and not much more than cattle. They could have been bartered or traded away or dismissed at a man's whim. They were wholly thought to be unclean most of the time and kept separate. They thought or thought to be prone to sin. So they were allowed to instruct the girls, but not the boys. And it was the Greek women who were regarded as powerful, as having something that uh, men wanted. And so men would worship them in the Greek culture. And they would listen to them and they would, um, they would defer to women. What is God asking you to do that's a grace risk to yourself? so that women can find their place of leadership in your community. Maybe he's given you a voice to speak about it. Maybe he's given you event coordination skills that you could put to use. Maybe he's made you a deep, um, a, a, a person who is deep in the word and he wants you to teach about the Bible because you have a teaching gift. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your walk with God, I believe he's called you for such a time as this. Just as Mordecai told Esther that there is a season upon us. Lou Engle just led the call and calling women to rise up last October. The intercession groups that I've been involved in have been speaking of women being the next, being the forerunners of the next great move of God. Let's step into our place in this time in history and see what God would do about it. Jesus came to earth and he treated women differently than they had ever been treated in his culture and society. Women were called to lead his church. It wasn't just um, Aquila, it was Priscilla alongside of him that led in Acts. Lydia was a leader in the church. Priscilla, Timothy's grandmother and mother, were identified as leaders who taught him about the Lord. Now you can't get around, there are some passages in Scripture, there are actually three, that admonish men not to allow women to lead, that admonish men to, to call up men to lead. And, and, and I can't speak fully to that, but I can say we do have a ministry to women. 
And I can say that I believe Paul was speaking to particular groups of people. He was speaking to the church at Ephesus and the church at Corinth when he said these things. I believe maybe he was uh, uh, speaking to, to Timothy as well. I mean, to Thessalonica as well. And he was speaking about things um, where women were questioning and asking questions in public meetings when their husbands were sitting across the room of, from them and they were disrupting meetings. That women were usurping and, and teaching men wrong things. Um, particularly in the situation with Timothy where he says, I do not allow women to teach men. And it reminds us that we have a great responsibility as women. That we don't need to seek out places and platforms that minister to men. But if a man is willing to listen, I don't think that we should be opposed to that. And if he's not willing to listen, we need to shake the dust off our feet and move on and not worry about it. If we're not afforded a place of leadership in our church, if your husband agrees with the calling of God on your life and what you're called to do about it, Step into that place with his, with his approval, with his covering. Because I believe in the principle of covering. And I believe in that, that, that there is an order. And Ephesians does say that, that we are submitted to our husbands and as they are submitted to Christ. And Christ is the head of the church and men are the head of the household. But my husband allows me to lead equally beside him. If your husband doesn't, that doesn't mean you need to, to rebuke him or somehow usurp him. It just means you need to learn how to lead in that environment in a way that honors him. Because honor is going to get us a lot further down the road. Sometimes we're going to have to make choices about what we say and what we do and how it reflects on, on and to other people. And so I don't want us to be this mouthpiece that's tearing down, but I want us to focus on building one another up. I want us to focus on helping heal the wounds that have been treated so slightly over the years by the church. And I want us to be healthy in our responses. I want us to be profoundly biblical in our responses. And I want to do it in such a way that it honors men and their role that God has given them. And I want us to bring all of our femininity to the table because I believe it expresses something very beautiful about God. Each one of you is beautiful. You're gifted. You're talented. You're called by God. And it is up to you to discover what that mystery it is. It says in Scripture that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to discover or search it out. So search out his heart for you and what it is he wants to do. And today I want to honor Harriet Tubman, a woman of strength, a woman of character, and a woman of extreme tenacity who was willing to take great risks to our own life to help other people be free. So much so she was greatly honored by our nation for the things that she did. And I pray that each one of you out there would find your place. Please let me hear from you. You can contact me on Facebook at Blooming Inspired is the Blooming Inspired Network page. You can DM me there. You can email me at 
Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, dot Bentham, B as in boy, E, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, H, A, M as in Mary, at bloominginspirednetwork.com. Again, that's michelle.bentham at bloominginspirednetwork.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. How um, amazing is our God? If you would like to have your own podcast show, if you feel God's been leaning you in this direction, please reach out to me and let me know. I would love to send you some information about that, have a phone conversation with you, and ask you... Um, ask you what's on your heart and what God's speaking to you. So today I'm going to close the show reminding you what I always remind you, and that is that wherever you are in the wall, in this journey, blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. And so with that, I'm going to close out the show and tell you until tomorrow, this is Michelle Bentham, and I'm signing off.